Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, let's go right to the phones immediately. I told you we're going to be talking about a lot of, uh, well, we're going to talk some fly fishing too during the course of this, but a lot of conventional fishing, a lot of things going on, but we're going to cover a lot of ground here right now. And I want to bring up from Tightline Outdoors, uh, He's he guides a lot in the local metro waters. He's an incredibly accomplished bass angler and also a multi-species angler, Matt Ensley. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Terry. It's a... Uh, it's time to be on the water. Oh, it's hot. Everything's going right <laughs> it's, now. The, yeah, the I, 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 I have trouble deciding where to send people when they ask me where they should go fishing, but this will change. So I, I think we'll start out by asking, what are some of the things you're seeing that are really hot and going on? Well, both the bass and walleye bite are, are in full swing. Also up in the mountains uh, with pike and trout, they're going strong, too, so there, there really isn't a body of water that we guide on that's not uh, putting out uh, huge numbers of fish right now. We're catching, you know, 40 to 80 walleye on a trip. Bass uh, are just tearing it up. They're moved shallow. Basically, the, the lakes have ramped. The, the, the fry and the bait fish uh, and the game fish have all spawned, so there's a lot of food, and they're chasing it right now. You know, one of the things I like about this and not for every species, but you're going to see fish start to get into some summer patterns. They don't shift those patterns as quickly as they do in the spring. So if you find a location or a type of location and something that's working, you have a little time to take advantage of it. Now, you'll you'll see some shifting as the base bait fish move, start to school up deep. The walleyes will tend to follow them. Bass, on the other hand, may not follow them so much, and they may be in their summer pattern. Smallmouth may be a little split. Pike and trout are a little different. But what are you seeing on some of the bodies you fish specifically, Matt? Well, all of the fry that's available, both the bait fish, whether it be shad, perch, bass, bluegill, whatever it is, is shallow right now. And the, the reason for that is that's where they were spawned. The eggs were hatched in shallow water, and they tend to stay shallow as long as they can until conditions uh, late in the season begin to drive them deep, as you mentioned. So you want to start uh, with baits that can cover water when you hit the water to find out areas and concentrations of the game fish that are feeding on these bait fish. And uh, when I say shallow, they can be in one to two feet of water or as deep as 10 or 15 feet of water. And how do you determine where to start? Well, I like, in the case of bass, I like to use uh, moving baits or baits that cover water quickly to locate those concentrations of bass. And the first bait I'll throw early in the morning is a buzz bait. Spinner baits are great, chatter baits, and crank baits. Those are all baits that you toss out and bring them back uh, rather abruptly until you start to contact fish. And then once you contact fish, in the case of bass, you can switch over and work that pot of fish with plastics, jigs. Um, one of my favorite baits is a Seiko. It's just deadly this time of year, particularly on the dams and rocks around our, our metro lakes. In the case of walleye, similar tactic. You want something that you can throw out there and, and move quickly and cover water. Uh, a lot of our walleye fishermen were always pulling bottom bouncers, lindy rigs, crankbaits. Uh, Longlining blade baits is a tactic uh, not too many people have caught on to yet. 
cast it out and, and slow troll it along, ripping it up off the bottom and letting it fall. And then, of course, jiggy gramps. So those are all baits that cover water quickly. And once you find the fish, uh, then stop and work that concentration over on that area. The fish are going to be on flats, points, humps, uh, ridges, uh, typically on the drop-offs, uh, dropping into deeper water. So just look for those shallow areas, like I said, anywhere from a couple of feet of water to as much as 10 or 15 feet of water, and move along abruptly until you contact them and then stop and, and cast different baits to them to uh, maximize your success. Well, I'm going to make a couple points here, and you can uh, you can tell me if you disagree because these certainly aren't written in stone, but a couple things I see this time of the year. The first one is that uh, having fished significant bass and walleye tournaments over my career, uh, chasing both fish for and some very substantial tournaments, and once we get into these this time of the year, the the bass, when I would find them, they may bite differently. They may move up and down the structure, but I kind of could find where they were at again for several weeks. I just may have, they may have moved up or down, or I may have to go after them a different way. The walleyes left, and they'd go to another similar location, but once you found them, they were pretty easy to bite. Do you see some of that phenomena? Absolutely. The, the, both species, the bass and the walleye, when you find them, they're there because there's a food source that they're keying on. Uh, early in the season, with, with respect to walleye, that's usually bugs hatching out of the bottom of the lake, uh, nymphs, different kinds of uh, critters, worms, things like that. But now they've transitioned uh, to the to the bait, the shad. If it's a shad lake, uh, if it's a perch lake, they'll, they'll focus on the perch. And you just have to cover water. I mean, one day you can find them on a point, come back, and you won't get a bite there. And they've moved on to, to another piece of structure chasing and, and following that bait source. No, you're absolutely right. The other phenomenon I see this time of the year is that well, I'll catch big bass in the spring, and especially during the spawn, because you can get them post and pre-spawn and find some big bass staging. I'm able to pretty effectively target big bass during the summer months, too. With walleyes, once we get into this summer peak where they're really feeding in a frenzy, if I want to target big walleyes, I really have to be willing to sacrifice the bites, not go for numbers of fish, because they're feeding probably nocturnally, those big females are probably in a whole different part of the lake, where if I want just numbers with those um, walleyes, I can go out and really hit the numbers at times just by fi- what doing what you're saying. And that's true of both species, bass and walleye. The bigger fish will be deeper. Uh, they're, they're feeding on trout in some of our bodies of water, which are all stocked with trout, uh, or larger prey that, that they target in deeper water. So you can find them susp- anywhere from the bottom in, you know, 20-plus feet of water to suspended, particularly walleye love to suspend in the summer months. And a good presentation for them is pulling, uh, you know, planer boards and some type of crankbait or minnow bait in the low-light periods, as you, as you mentioned. Some of the bodies water, if somebody's going out fishing, take me through the... Um, I know you fish Aurora quite a bit, uh, Cherry Creek and Quincy. If you're going out in the next few days, uh, any one in particular, and, and uh, what, what, which, which ones would you target? Well, if I'm going for bass, it would be Quincy or probably Aurora. The Aurora has the state record small bass, so there's, there's some giant smallies in there. 
I love throwing uh, a buzz bait first thing in the morning. Our lake's open at 5, 5.30 in the morning, so I'd get out as early as possible and throw uh, topwater. If it's not a buzz bait, throw, you know, a whopper plopper or some kind of topwater bait because the fish are king on surface uh, right now because of the the hatch of the year is in schools and they're right on the surface early in the morning. So I would start with a buzz bait and then switch to either crankbaits or spinnerbaits uh, right now on the bass. On the on the walleye, the hottest two lakes right now in the metro area are Chatfield and Cherry Creek. They've been putting out a large number of fish, Cherry Creek producing uh, more uh, legal-sized fish, you know, the 18-inch or larger. If you're going to target bigger fish, I, I would recommend Cherry Creek. Uh, Chatfield has turned on now and, and putting out some numbers of fish. Although the legal size fish are hard to come by, you're going to catch a lot of those smaller ones. And the hot, uh, the hot presentation is a bottom bouncer. Once you find them, you can stop, pull the bottom bouncers in, and throw uh, light jigs with just a half a night crawler on them, and those fish will pick those jigs up one right after another. You'll have multiple uh, hookups doing that. So those would be my uh, choices. Now. How about, um, I want to talk to you about, and uh, get a little more detailed report about some of the mountain bites. I know you're probably not guiding there. You're guiding mostly here, but you hear from your guys. But before we even go to that, suppose we got the holidays coming. we got a lot of people with a lot of vacation time. We get the question all the time, you know, you guys go over these techniques. You talk about the lakes, but you kind of aim them towards boats. And there's a lot of anglers that don't have boats. Give me a few options for that family that's going fishing in the next, two, three weekends where they might try and have some luck from shore for any number of species? Well, from uh, shore fishing here in the metro area, I highly recommend Quincy Reservoir. You can wade that lake quite uh, effectively. They let you, you know, get in with waders and, and go along the bank. It's an excellent bass fishery for bass anywhere from two to six pounds. Uh, Aurora also from the bank, um, more for trout. Uh, it's hard to get to some of the locations where the, the smallmouth would be holding. But if you go to the dam area, fish off the dam, uh, you can get into some very nice trout aurors full of giant trout, up to 10 pounds. Uh, so those are two bank uh, fishing locations that I would recommend. Um, also Pueblo South, uh, you know, we, we guide on Pueblo Reservoir, excellent bass and uh, walleye fishery. And you can access the water from the campsites down there quite easily. Yeah, and I think um, Aurora remains probably one of the best in the metro area for trout during the summer because it's deeper and you have a little cooler water. Do you think that's the case? Yes, that's absolutely correct. And then tell me a little bit more about what you know what's going on in the mountains. You mentioned the big trout and the pike. Right, so... Uh, the topwater bite for pike is going strong. We're throwing buzz baits and uh, uh, just under the surface swim baits, giant swim baits, 12-inch type baits, because uh, these are big fish. I mean, we've caught fish up to 30-plus pounds, uh, pike that is. And, and the trout bite is uh, jerk baits, uh, little tiny chatter baits, anything small. Or if you want to throw a fly rod, you can use it. We do fly rod trips from the boat. Uh, they're just hammering the flies up there, too. 
So those trout up there average three pounds, and a big one is, you know, seven to ten. You're talking spinny mostly for those? Is that spinny, what that's correct. Yeah, I tell you what, the, that lake is so phenomenal. They've. I want to give kudos to Parks and Wildlife for managing a lake that produces trophy trout and trophy pike. That's been a real success story, that lake. And the trout are going strong at Ontario also. Yeah, Antero's a good one, another one to fish from shore maybe. It's a little more elevation, water stays a little cooler. You're going to get a lot more small fish there, but there are some good ones, and it's one with quite a bit of access too. Correct. Any last comments before we let you run? I know if people want to book a trip or more information, they can always find you at uh, tightlineoutdoors.com or on the Facebook at Tightline Outdoors. That's correct, or call us at 720-775-7770. All right, my friend, as always, a wealth of information. Have a great weekend, and keep your line tight. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Matt Ensley from Tightline Outdoors. We're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And speaking of Sun, I hope you've been listening and realize that they are sponsoring a contest. And I know it's middle of summer and it's 80, 90 degrees. We're fishing open water, but a contest to go ice fishing with Nate Zielinski and myself. And you're going to, if we're going to get you on fish, the trip will probably happen in December. We'll kind of work with schedules and what we're going to do, but you're going to get, it's going to be for two people. And then a couple guys from sun will join us with their ATVs. But let me, you know, Nate guides on the ice all time. He runs tournaments. He's a current member of the ice team. I was a founding member of the ice team. My first fish uh, shelter, portable shelter was hand sewn by Dave Gent's wife, and the bottom of it was a calving tray. I was the original host of the Minnesota Masters of Ice Fishing. I've been involved in the ice fishing scene since the early 80s. Well, I've been doing it since the 70s because I'm older than dirt. But I've been involved heavily in it. So just spending a day on the water with Nate and I, whether you're an experienced ice fisherman or a beginner, can you imagine the knowledge you can learn and what you can gain? We're going to supply all equipment. I believe we're supplying lunch. Now, to, to win this a chance for this trip, it's going to be a random drawing. You can go to 1043thefan.com or, and then just click on my page. Go to the menu, click on my page, and an entry form will come up. And we're going to take entries till I believe... I believe the beginning of October, it could be the end of October, um, but you enter there. Also, you can go to the um, Sun's Facebook page, Sun E-N-T on Facebook, Sun E-N-T, and that Facebook page, you can enter there. I even got a better way for you to enter right now. Today at Sun, which is at 88th and Washington, it's really 88th and Pearl, they're they're giving away free Italian sub sandwiches to everybody that stops by. Stop by, look at an ATV, look at a motorcycle, get a free sandwich and say, hey, how do I register for the ice fishing trip? What a great way to do it. By the way, before we go to our next, uh, go to the phones, I want to say thanks to Matt V, who called in during the break, 
said he listens to the show on a regular basis, even though he's not a major outdoor guy, and wanted to congratulate me on 20 years. Thank you, Matt. That's very appreciated. Now let's Thank go you. to the phones and joining us, someone who's a very valuable resource that we turn to quite often, and that's Austin Parr. He's from uh, Discount Tackle. He's a manager down there. He's also guide on many of the local waters here in Colorado, and he also is a knowledgeable ice fisherman. But I got a feeling, Austin, that the way the fishing is now, we don't need to send anybody to look for ice because the bite seems to be on. Man, June, as usual, is, is a good time to be an angler in this state. And although I do like ice fishing, I certainly am uh, not wanting it to get here any sooner than it's going to. No, you're absolutely right. It's just, uh, and you know what? And no matter how good, and you can attest to this, and even more, even recently, and I can attest to it, no matter how good the fishing is, we get you excited, get you out there. Conditions for that day or your approach to a lake you don't know can still not make for the most productive day. So we're going to try to guide you in the areas. And we get we get nailed once in a while, too, don't we? Oh, man, I got nailed filming uh, with Chad Lachance on Thursday uh, this past week. Uh, you know, we were out at Pruitt Reservoir, and, and the, the CPW fishery surveys were absolutely fantastic. But Chad and I certainly uh, did not figure them out. Let's put it that way. Well, and that's a, that's a different lake to fish. It's wakeless. I haven't spent, I think I've been on Pruitt once, the whole time I lived in Colorado, I think it's probably a good fish, a good fishery once you figure it out. But it may be a tough one to just show up and think you're going to know what's going on because you hard to search the lake because of the wakeless conditions. That's the biggest challenge. You know, you're almost at 3,000 acres out there and, and wakeless from one end to the other will take you, you know, 45 minutes or so. There isn't a lot of structure out there. The maps aren't super sophisticated at the moment, even on the social maps on Inside Genesis. Um, you know, we caught a few fish, but in general, you know, I think that a better way to have broken that down would have been to throw out some planer boards and, and troll for a long time and see if we could find some suspended fish and then, you know, make some nice waypoints as you're marking your way across that lake. Well, now, that may be a great way to fish, but you'd have to get a gulp minnow and a and a jerk bait out of Chad's hand to do that. We we were in my boat, and Chad got to the point where we actually uh, threw a couple crankbaits out and put the kicker motor down. So we actually, I, I did get him to troll, although without trolling rods. Okay. Well, <laughs> Ch- Chad Chad is an incredibly accomplished angler. Uh, you know, he's uh, in fact he's going to be uh, probably doing a show later on in the summer for us here, and he's a contributor. He's the original co-host of this show or fill-in host of the show, and we have the utmost respect. But we all have our strengths, and not only that but i'll tell you right now i don't troll as much as i should uh, back when i was doing tournaments now bass tournaments i couldn't troll it was against the rules but back when i was competing at a very high level in walleye tournaments if you couldn't troll you couldn't win i mean yeah. really it came down to that in some of the waters we fished and it's an incredible way to find fish catch fish at least locate them and then find them but it's not always it's not my favorite way to fish nor is it mine, but I also do like catching fish, and especially when you're guiding, catching fish is important. So trolling at times can be, you know, a very, very productive method of catching fish. Um, you know, I would rather jig, but like I said, if the fish are biting on that troll, it can be really good. Um, you know, and in a situation like that, out at Pruitt, breaking out those trolling rods are effective because you're able to slow down just a little bit but still cover water at the same time and actually potentially catch a fish or two, um, you know, along the way. Rather than, you know, we filmed it at Jumbo the very next day, had good maps out there, I knew exactly what was going on, and certainly you have the ability to get on plane. So in a situation like that with fish tight to structure, trolling is not nearly as effective as it would have been potentially out of Pruitt. Well, we're, well, we're talking, Jumbo, uh, what was going on there? Was it a good bite? And tell us what went on. 
fantastic out there. So we started the day, wanted to get up into the trees. Uh, you started, made 20 or 30 casts up shallow. And, you know, it really wasn't going in a, in a huge way out there. You know, we had a couple hits, but we, we immediately went out to offshore structure, broke out some glide baits. The Johnny Darter was, was fantastic from Johnson out there and got a ton of reactionary bites. And what was really interesting as well is there were quite a few bait fishermen around us pulling around some Lindy rigs and running some slip bobbers. And that bait bite was not nearly as effective as some of the open water casting reactionary bites that you're having with that Johnny Darter. What, so getting those fish to react was a, a very, very uh, you know important way to go. And on Jumbo, what kind of size and what species? And was it mostly walleyes? What were you catching? It was all walleyes. However, I've been out there quite a bit this year, and we've caught everything from drum to catfish to crappie to carp. You know, there's a, a big mixed bag, you know, even quite a few smallmouth out there. But yesterday was all walleyes for us, uh, but size ranged from 8 inches on the very small side. We caught a couple there all the way up to like a 22-incher. So there was a, a really nice array of size out there, and we've caught fish up to 28 out there this year. And, you know, as with a lot of those eastern plains lakes, with the, the water that we've been having out there, the sizes are, are – there's a nice, nice population out there of, of multiple year classes and, you know, very cooperative fish. Oh, it sounds like it. You know, and those are, you can get away from the crowds. People are a little, a lot of campers out at those lakes, but a lot of times the fishermen get hesitant because of the hot weather to go out there and really overlooking some great fisheries out there. And what else have you been hearing going on around the lake, uh, around the area? So, you know, in town, Cherry Creek has been still fishing well, although we are starting to see some shad out there, as we did at Jumbo as well. They're still really small, so the fish aren't pulling off a structure yet, but you certainly can see the clouds on the Laurances. Um, you know, Chatfield, however, still, as we've seen in the last couple of years, is lacking that shad population, and we have not seen much of anything on the shad side of things. However, the fishing has been really, really good out there. You know, the roadbed, as usual, guys are catching some smaller fish, but if you slide off of that and get into some of your other types of offshore structure as you move down to the gravel pits or out to the north of the marina area where you have some humps. There's been good congregations of fish out there that we've been able to catch jigging live bait, as well as that same glide bait, jigging wrap, Johnny Darter, as well as the blade bait. Um, but the fishing out there has been fantastic, smallmouth as well. So if you're looking to just go catch a lot of fish, Chatfield's a good option at the moment. Well, you know what happens when you get a lake where you have a decline in the bait fish, and they will come back there. Um, what happens is we we lost a lot of bait fish there, and everybody becomes a better angler <laughs> because you have got less bait to compete with, and your presentation doesn't have to be nearly as good or nearly as precise because those fish are moving and hungry. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing I've talked to a lot of folks with down, down at the shop down here as well is it's a great lake to go and gain some good confidence on a variety of other types of presentations that you might not be confident in. So if you're not, your strength isn't blade baits or your strength isn't swim baits, going out there and finding the fish on your same type of live bait presentation and then switching over to some of those other presentations can get you that confidence to then go tie that bait on in another circumstance where the fish might not be biting as well and then have confidence that you're going to be fishing it correctly. No, you're absolutely right. The the most the best time to try new presentations is when you're successfully catching fish. Now, because if when you're not, you'll even lose more confidence in trying that, and you probably will never present it right or often enough to learn it. So that that goes without saying. Any uh, Before we go to a break, then I'm going to bring you back. Any other hot bites from a boat? And then I want to kind of switch things up, and maybe not only bo maybe boats in the mountains and things like that, but also some shore fishing opportunities coming sure. up for people who are on vacation. But when's another hot bite from a boat right here in the metro area? 
Well, in the metro area, Aurora is starting to pick up in a big way right now. The perch population out there is fantastic as usual with a lot of jumbo class fish in there right now. Getting out there and vertical jigging to those fish, even drop shotting them, you know, the water is incredibly clear. So I've always had my best success dropping down to like a four pound test fluorocarbon and then running little drop shot rigs and little tiny ice jigs on flip bobbers out in the middle of that lake. Uh, you know, although it is electric only, utilizing your sonar and your electronics to locate those fish is absolutely imperative. And also along with those perch, those walleyes will be out there as well. And, and that's one nice thing about that lake is, you know, you don't deal with quite that shad bloom like you do everywhere else because there aren't any shad in there. And although those perch do reproduce and move out over that open water, it's not nearly as significant. So you can catch those walleyes a lot more under the heat of the summer. All right. I'm going to put you on hold. When we come back, let's talk about some opportunities for people that are going to take their families fishing, whether it's mountains or down here from shore. Is that okay? Would love to talk about it. All right, I'll put you on hold, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. I want to go right back to the phones now. We've been talking to Austin Parr from Discount Tackle. And Austin, we covered there's a hot bike going up and down the front range. A lot of hot things in the mountains. Um, first of all, if you're hearing some really good things in the mountains, whether from shore or a boat, give us a couple of those. But let, let's talk a little bit about shore fishing. Certainly. So as far as from the boat is concerned, South Park has been a really good option as of late, Antero especially. Folks have been going out there running some planer boards and some Tasmanian devils along the weed lines and have just been absolutely catching the fish. Um, you know, one of my good friends was up there and had a great morning in Antero. The wind picked up really heavily and she dropped down to Terryall. Had equivalent success down there with some little bit smaller fish, but in general, that bite has been great. Additionally, the, the lake trout bites have been awesome. Um, you know, heading out, on up into Granby and even Williams Fork, guys are having really good success anywhere from 70 to 100 feet of water on good numbers of fish with some larger fish still up a little bit shallower and like 45 feet. Now, we're going to be coming to um, the holiday, 4th of July holiday. Really, you see the pinnacle of the camping and boating seasons. We're going to be we're going to have a lot of people on the water, but we're going to have a lot of people camping, doing picnics, going to the lake. They're taking their fishing rods out, may not even be experienced anglers. They just want to catch some fish. Where are a few places and a few species you'd recommend? You know, St. Vrain State Park is one that I like a lot, especially from the shore. There's a variety of different options up there as far as fisheries are concerned with those different lakes. Um, you know, moving on into some of the, the, the newer lakes, they just opened up, but Blue Heron up there is, is one that they're kind of managing as a little bit larger fish, kind of trophy fishery area. That particular lake uh, has everything from walleyes to largemouth bass that they've moved in there, you know, even some pike as well. So that's, you know, for someone that's really looking for an experience, it's, a, you know, a little bit more difficult, I suppose you could say, but then also a little bit larger fish. That particular spot is, is really nice. But then also some of the other lakes over there, the smaller lakes, they still continually stock with trout throughout the entire season. And for, you know, a young angler, those particular spots can be absolutely fantastic. But then even in town, there's a wide variety of, of different small ponds, whether it be Foothills Park and Recreation Ponds or, or moving out towards something like Quincy. Uh, you know, you have really good options at good panfish and even bass in some of these little local lakes. So the topwater bite early and late can be great for young kids, 
or you can even simply throw, you know, a little piece of gulp or a night crawler under a float and have great success just catching good numbers of small bluegills and crappies. No, I think you're absolutely right, and I love the idea of a float. And by the way, I use very minimal weight, if any, when I put a little piece of gulp under that float. A lot of times the weight of the hook is enough to get a slow fall, and it's so subtle, but yet you can keep it in position with the float. It's just deadly for panfish. I love a lot of the little the little waxies and a, a few of the little uh, ones that look like bloodworms, the tiny night crawlers and things are just fantastic. Absolutely. And, you know, those are great just for the fact that, you know, you can buy some, have it in your pack, and then go fishing when it's convenient for you. You don't have to worry about going and grabbing some live bait. Now, uh, one last thing. I always hear, where can I catch walleyes from shore? And Well, you and I both know that walleyes from shore this time of the year, well, not impossible, can be difficult because they tend to be out either on structure or chasing bait fish. But there are a few that give you a better chance, and those, I think, are the lakes that have saw guys. If you agree, I think places like Bear Creek and some of the southeastern reservoirs give you a better chance. What do you think? Yeah, Bear Creek, from what I've been hearing, has been pretty slow overall. Um, you know, the, there's been a few smallmouth coming out, but in general, that fishery has not been that good as of late. But southeast Colorado is a fantastic location to go, and not only for saw guys, but just general multi-species applications as well. So, you know, you can catch anything from your wipers to your white bass down there. You know, even a lot of, of smallmouth and largemouth can be really good. But then the other thing that people really overlook this time of year is the dam face on Cherry Creek. So that particular dam face has a really easy access point, a nice walking path that moves all the way across that. And I've seen a lot of walleyes that will push those bait fish up against those rocks. And the other advantage there, unlike Chatfield, is that the rocks end pretty quickly once you get into the water. So although you have a little bit of structure there, it's not, uh, you know, it, it doesn't impede you too much as far as snags are concerned. So running some blade baits along that dam face or even something like a Johnny Darter or a jigging wrap can entice some of those fish that are pushing that bait to that edge and have still good access to, to fishing on the shoreline. All right, we're out of time, but if people uh, want more information or book a guide trip, how do they find you? So either down here at Discount Fishing Tackle or at 2645 South Santa Fe Drive, or uh, my phone number is 303-514-5546. All right, my friend, good luck and uh, good fishing. Hey, thank you so much, Terry. You bet. Austin Parr from Discount Tackle, great angler, great resource. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Before we go to the phones, I want to mention a couple programming notes. We had a lot of conventional fishing today. We will have some more next week. We'll have some hunting next week. But we also will have some more fly fishing next week. Kirk Dieter, editor for Trout Magazine and editor-at-large for Field and & Stream and a fly fishing uh, author, will join us, as will David Nickham, the executive director of Colorado's Trout Unlimited. So we'll have both those gentlemen on with us next week. So we'll have a lot for you fly fishermen. But let's go back to the phones because we're still talking a bunch of conventional fishing and joining us he's been absent for a while because of some family matters and we're so glad to have him back ronnie castiglione and ronnie i gotta tell you that um i i looked at your topic and it's so so right on point today because we've talked a lot of conventional fishing and a lot of people have said we'll start out fishing topwater but we really haven't got into depth about the presentation and that's really what you want to talk about yeah, Terry. I mean, topwater is definitely 
one of my favorite ways to approach catching fish. It's one of my favorite ways to get clients to catch fish. It's absolutely one of my favorite ways to get kids to catch fish. I mean, if you've never seen a kid fish a surface popper in a little pond and catch a bunch of bluegills or a bunch of little bass, that's about as much fun as they can possibly have. But, you know, after guiding for eight years and trying to teach people how to fish surface lures, uh, there's some common mistakes I see that, that that happen all the time, and it really decreases the catch rate if you're not just going about certain things right, Terry. So I just kind of want to cover some, some of the tips that I like to impart to my clients and kind of help people out. Now, will those tips include maybe choosing the right top water also? Well, absolutely. I mean, the right top water bait is definitely, you know, where you want to start. So uh, the things you want to think about is the uh, size of the top water bait. That's important. Um, your ability to fish the top water bait. You, you, the most simple one is going to be a surface popper. Um, it's, it's pretty basic, Terry. You, you, you cast it out there, you pop it along, you let it pause, you kind of work it along. That's kind of the one I start clients out with. Uh, now, poppers really shine, however, when you're not around very heavy cover. Um, so, you know, open water, places like horse tooth where there's not a lot of grass there's not a lot of submerged vegetation all that stuff poppers really work great up on horse tooth um the next kind of bait that i kind of steered towards you know and try to teach clients to use is a small walking bait of some sort terry so a little stick type walking bait something that that you have to actually impart the action to you got to learn the rhythm you got to be able to just barely move that tip the short little strokes on a rhythmic kind of cadence to get that thing to, to slash back and forth back and forth back and forth uh, once you learn to do it, it's like riding a bike, and it's very, very easy. But if you've never learned to work a walking bait, um, it can be very difficult until you get the rhythm down. Uh, walking baits are excellent. Uh, you know, it tends to be for me that the popper, it works better when the fish are maybe a little less aggressive, Terry, when they're a little less willing to chase. Maybe they want the bait sitting still, and they're going to dart up and get it. But when they are very aggressive, let's say they're in chasing, actively chasing bait, they're actively up feeding. Uh, that walking bait, so you can cover more water with it, you can work it a little faster, and you can trigger those strikes. Um, that tends to be when I go to the walking bait, Terry. Now, you know, let's talk about the flip side of that. Let's say we get off a lake like Horse Youth and we get down to a lake like Boyd, Terry. Um, this time of year, Boyd, fishing surface lures are outstanding, Terry. You can run through all kinds of fish, smallmouth, largemouth. You'll catch walleyes. You'll catch, you'll catch catfish on surface lures, which people are always amazed when we do it. But we do it all the time, Terry. Uh, the white bass in that lake absolutely destroy surface lures, Terry, and I'm sure you know that. Um, but when you get into Boyd right now and you take a look at it, Boyd's absolutely full of water, Terry. There's a ton of grass. There's a ton of trees in the water. There's all kinds of vegetation. The, the pond weed is growing to the top. There's all sort of matted stuff growing in. Very, very thick. Very, very tough to fish through. Um, the poppers and the walking baits, because they have the treble hooks hanging off them, might not be the best choice in that situation, Terry. So when we get clients out on Boyd, uh, you know, a lot of times I'm going to start them off with something like a buzz bait. And I heard you guys talking a little bit about a buzz bait earlier in the show. Buzz bait's an excellent bait to get out there. It's pretty, pretty simple to learn, Terry. You just throw it out there, you keep the rod tip relatively high, and you just reel that thing along fast enough to get that little prop to spin and keep that bait right along the surface. Um, as we get into some of the really, really 
thicker stuff, however, and you get into some of that real thick mat, some of the real heavy stuff, even that buzz bait won't come through some of that real thick stuff, Kerry. So that's when I turn clients to something like a, a hollow body soft plastic frog, something like that, Terry, that, that they can throw all the way deep into that cover, and it's not going to get a bunch of grass hanging on it. It's going to come through that stuff, and you're going to be able to get those strikes right up in the middle of that stuff, Terry. Now, talking about all that, Terry, the biggest mistake, the common mistake that I see from clients and from people day in and day out is that when they are fishing a surface lure, Terry, they are way, way fat, too fast to set the hook. Um, on almost all of those presentations, when you visually see that fish come up and blast that bait on the surface, if you lay into them right then, nine times out of ten, you will yank that presentation right out of their mouth. Um, and that's the hardest part, Terry, and I know you've got experience with it. I have to teach clients to slow way, way down. And with most of those baits, let's talk about like the popper and the walking bait. I want them to just continue the action that elicited the strike. I want them to just continue with the rod tip down most of the time, working it like they were working it, even after they see the explosion on it, until they feel the weight of the fish pulling on the line. Once they actually feel the weight and resistance of the fish, that's what I want them to reel into it, set the hook. Um, talking about the poppers and or the, the, the plastic frogs and the buzz baits, Terry, it's even a longer pause for me. The buzz bait's like slightly longer than the popper or the other one, but you still want to pause it. You want to throw them a tiny little bit of slack right when you see explosion. Wait a second, and then swing into them. On, on the frog, Terry, you got to really, really slow down. you got to give them what seems like forever, but it's not. you just got to pause. you got to wait. I try to teach people, Terry, to kind of have a, a phrase that they say. So once that fish goes up and blasts that lure, I, I try to get my clients to say, oh, there's one right there, and then pause for a second and then set the hook on the frog, Terry. Um, without a doubt, if you're too fast on that, and you don't give that fish enough time to actually turn its body. The fish comes up, he blasts it, he gets it in his mouth, but most of the time he's coming up behind it, he's coming the direction it was coming at, so he's coming at you. If you don't allow that fish enough time to suck that thing in, turn his head, and start digging back down into the water so that when you set the hook, it gets him in the side of the mouth, you are going to miss more fish, and it's going to be very, very frustrating. But those are the big tips, Terry. If you just kind of do that, then you'll have a lot more success. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And one of the hardest things in fishing, especially in top waters, is not setting the hook too fast. I think plastic worm fishermen get a little better at it because the plastic worms that we use, like the Berkeley Power Bait, are so well-scented that we've trained ourselves to give the fish time and almost feel what he's doing before we set the hook. Um, the, the, yeah, Terry, because you don't see it visually. Um, and, you know, on all presentations, in my experience, if you visually see you're in a clear lake and a fish comes up and bites something, you're in a soft plastic, you're in a jig or anything like that. If you visually see that fish come up and strike it and you set the hook visually, you will miss that fish a lot of times, as opposed to waiting to actually feel the strike and feel the power of the fish and then set into them. So it's the visual thing that gets people excited, Terry, but once they slow down and they get used to it, then... Uh, uh, you know, catching them on top may be one of the funnest ways to catch fish, period. Terry. Now, a couple quick questions for you. One is sure. time of day. Do you find you have to fish early? You know, we, we always hear early and late in case, unless it's really overcast. Personally, I've had some good success with topwater other times. What personally have you seen? Well, low-light conditions are generally going to be the best for surface lures, in my opinion. However, if you 
sea fish that are actively coming to the surface. Recently on horse tooth, I've been hearing reports from Chad that there's a good cicada hatch up there, for example. And so there's these real big bugs that are landing on the water throughout the day, Terry. And so these fish are coming up to the surface to eat these bugs all day long. Um, the key in that scenario is that you just can't cover water and run into them like you can in low light conditions. But if you see those fish actively on the surface and you make a very quick, accurate presentation to them with something like a popper and you put it right in that wheelhouse, those fish will bite all day long a lot of times, Terry. So, you know, also, if you get some overcast conditions, I think it lends itself towards surface lures. I think if you get too much wind, it gets difficult to fish surface lures a lot of times. But on the flip side, if it's dead calm, it might not be all that great to fish surface lures. So just a little bit of a breeze to break it up. A little low light conditions are going to be best. Um, but... With, you know, I always have them tied on all summer long, Terry. They're in my rod locker, and they're ready to go, at, you know, at any point. And I kind of let the fish tell me what they're doing, Terry. Real quick, because we only got a minute or two left, how important is color? Uh, you know, I try to match the hatch to some extent, Terry. I'm, I'm kind of a basic color sort of a guy, so shaddy stuff, shiny stuff when, when the sun's shining, more white-based stuff when the sun is not real bright. Um, if I'm getting into water that has really, really stained or a tint to it, some sort of a color, then I may go to perchy or fire tiger type presentations. Um, you know, it just kind of depends. If, I, if I'm fishing something that, that I'm thinking is going to look like a frog or represent a frog, then it's going to be froggy. If, it, if it's supposed to look like a gizzard shad, then it's going to be shaddy. Um, you know, so I just kind of go about that way. You know, the other thing, real, real quick, because we're running out of time, Terry, is you've you got to be throwing these presentations on the right rod. Um, you know, a good, a good standard spinning rod, a 7 foot, 7 foot 2, medium to medium heavy, with braid on it will be effective for the average day guy to go out and throw these surface lures on. Once you get up and you start throwing the softest, soft plastic frogs and things like that into the heavy cover, you got to go a little bit heavier with what you're doing because, you know, if you get a five-pounder and he's in the middle of a mat and he comes up and blasts a frog, you really got to be able to, you know, once you set the hook into that fish, you got to be able to winch him up out of that stuff and kind of skip him along the surface until he gets out of that real thick stuff. If you've got the wrong rod, if you're underpowered in your line, um, if you don't have a fast enough reel, Terry, then you're going to have trouble doing that. So a, a real good tip is there's a brand-new reel coming out from Abu Garcia. They, they redesigned their Revo Rocket and the casting reel. So guys that like to use casting reels, uh, that new Revo Rocket's got a 10-to-1 gear ratio and takes in 40 inches of line per turn. For Frog and Terry, that, rock, that reel right there is on my list. I need that reel because, uh, you know, I, I want that real quick reel once I get tight to that I got mine yesterday. Oh, Terry, I'm jealous. I want it. <laughs> um, that's, that reel's on my list, Terry. That's going to be a frog reel. It's going to be a flipping and pitching reel for me, but for frogging. Uh, and the other thing is a lot of times, Terry, you get those strikes on those surface lures way out on the end of a cast. So you've got to be able to get tight to them. You've got to be able to yank them up out of there. You can use braid in a lot of scenarios. For me, braid hurts my elbows. So for surface lures, the bigger surface lures like the frogs, I go to a real heavy mono, something like a Triline XT. 20 pounds. It doesn't have a lot of stretch, but I've got to have a fast reel and i got to have a rod to compensate for that stretch. Um, so that, those are kind of the T's, Terry. If, you, if you're getting the blow-ups and you're missing them, just adjust. Adjust what you're doing. The fish are telling you they want it. They're just showing you that you're not quite doing something Ronnie, right. It's either gear or it's, you know, what you're doing, Terry. we got to go, Ronnie, but great information. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. You have a good one. Thank you. You too. Ronnie Castiglione, always a great resource. 
Don't forget to follow us every Saturday morning here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Um, sometime in July, our time is going to change back to an earlier time to our more standard time, and we should stay with that through the winter. But just keep track. We'll, we'll let you know on our Facebook page. Always follow us on Facebook to know everything that's going on, like the fact that um, Kirk Dieter and... Uh, David Nickham will be on Talking Fly Fishing next week. We'll feature that on our Facebook page. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Karen for getting me through another two hours. And thank you for listening. Uh, we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour on 104.3 The Fan.